You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. As the Chinese Communist Party celebrates its 100-year anniversary, the events bring into sharp focus the confluence between state control and private sector enterprise. The relatively recent intervention blocking the Alipay listing, it sort of concerns some investors. And indeed, in the last few days, the Didi app story has also concerns some people anyway, but are these concerns overblown or should they be considered as a positive investment flag? With me is Wen Chang Ma, who's a portfolio manager at 91 in Hong Kong. What do you think, first of all, surrounding the 100-year anniversary, Wen Chang? Did you look at it and say, well, I'm slightly concerned or you look at it and say it was entirely predictable? Well, um, I think the interesting thing is that when we look at uh, uh, how China has navigated through uh, the major global crisis over the past two decades, they have done uh, very, very well. So they have managed through all those difficult times um, very successfully. And uh, if anything, we think that China is very well positioned to uh, continue um, its path of growth. And uh, during uh, this path of growth, we have seen um, a lot of reforms being um, pushed through. And some of those would involve uh, tightening regulations and creating headwinds on certain sectors like the internet sector, for example, that you have talked about. Um, and going forward, we're likely going to continue to see more reforms uh, within the economy as China goes through its transition from a uh, export and manufacturing driven economy to more of a service and consumption driven economy along the way. So um, I think it, if we just put all the changes that China have gone through and think about how the, the management of uh, a country of that size into that context of history, I think they've done pretty well. Yes, that's what I think as well. If you look at the Alipay story as a red flag, if you're a concerned potential investor or investor in China, I can understand that. But on the other hand, when the Americans or whoever else it is from the Western world start throwing stones they must have a look at themselves because they're also trying to regulate Facebook and other big tech companies. So it's, it's not as if the Chinese authorities are on their own in this regard. That is right. I think a lot of the new economy industries such as Internet, um, plus there are a few other industries like uh, some of the education segments or healthcare segments, uh, these are facing um, uh, relatively uh, less regulatory framework or mature regulatory framework. So I think globally there is going to be some um, coordination that is needed or at least some lessons borrowed from each other. And uh, China is relatively uh, ahead in terms of trying to regulate these Internet companies. Let's uh, strip out the negative media from this discussion now. Is it the case that China, in your opinion, and its markets offer with the right investment partner, of course, potential long-term gains for a patient investor who can, as I said in my introduction, strip out the negativity? Yeah, I think if you look at uh, China in the broader context globally, this is the second largest economy in the world and also the second largest equity market. And so far, it is still very um, underinvested by global investors as the total percentage of the asset allocation. And we think that going forward, as this economy still offers one of the, the best and most steady growth and offers a very dynamic 
economic pool of investment opportunities with lots of exciting themes for growth, then um, I think increasingly it will uh, be on more people's radar and people will think about how to allocate to China effectively. And with China opening up the access of its equity market to global investors, um, it is going to make the access a lot easier. And um, I think you should gradually see that allocation increase over time. And this is still a very inefficient market, let's bear in mind. So if you look at the A-share market, it's still the, the number of transactions are still dominated by retail investors. So there is a lot of behavioral bias, a lot of inefficiency on that part of the market in particular. And on the offshore section of the Chinese equity market, it's also very inefficient, although the retail dominance is less significant compared to the A-share market. So I think overall um, for investors who are long-term um, and who are patient, if they get in early, then there is potentially quite a long um, path of growth that they can benefit from and a lot of alpha opportunities that they can select. Yes, without being simplistic or patronizing, I do think that the Chinese financial markets are sort of like an adolescent. They're growing into, into their new role and they're, you know, sort of a little bit awkward, but ultimately they have great potential. And what particular China asset classes interest you, Wen Cheng? Should you be focusing on domestically focused companies via the A share asset class? And if so, what, what sectors within that asset class do you favor? The A-share market is definitely very interesting given the amount of opportunities, the size of the market, and also the inefficiency that I have mentioned earlier. But I also think the offshore market is also uh, an area that we shouldn't ignore in the longer term. So both onshore market and offshore market, I think, are important and interesting areas for alpha generation for Chinese equities investors. Um, and as China opens up, um, I think you are uh, going to see that the access on both markets are improving for uh, mainland investors and for international investors. And we have seen already a mixture of uh, companies getting listed on both the onshore and offshore markets. So you have the Chinese companies, domestic companies, increasingly seeking listing um, on the uh, Hong Kong stock exchange as well as on the mainland stock exchanges. And you're seeing on both markets, there is an increasing proportion of new economy companies. So if you compare the, the, the market, composition today versus what it was 10 years ago, there is clearly a lot more new economy, higher growth companies that are present on both markets. And I think in the current environment, um, if we just take into the consideration uh, of the current global economic situation, the Chinese economic uh, recovery, um, and also the uh, raw material price, um, etc. Um, within the, the different sectors, we uh, find most attractive opportunities in sectors such as materials and energy because the um, uh, upstream um, commodities price has been uh, very elevated and is very likely going to continue to, to remain so given the supply and demand balance there. Um, and apart from that, we also see um, some very attractive long-term structural uh, opportunities such as uh, in a financial sector, you have companies exposed to the long-term growth of China's wealth management industries and in the um, information technology and industrial sectors, you have companies that are exposed to uh, China's increasing effort of import 
substitution um, and also growing renewable energy um, themes. So over the long term, I think uh, we can briefly summarize the um, uh, growth areas into three main themes. One is the uh, innovation um, and import substitution theme. And the second one is China's growing um, consumption and services sector, the uh, increasing um, household wealth, the driving consumption upgrades. And then the third theme is China going on to a greener path. So the uh, electric vehicles and the, the renewable energies all belong to this third theme. So I think those will be, um, I think, the most exciting areas where you will see a lot of um, interesting investment opportunities. God, there's so much to absorb there. I mean, it must be incredibly difficult for you, Wen Chang, and incredibly exciting at the same time to sit down at your desk every morning from Hong Kong and say, well, I've got this prospectus from this new company, which is going to be listing quite soon. And so it goes on. And I, I just wonder in the future how big the China market will, will be. I mean, you talked about the last 10 years and how it's grown. What about the next two, three, five years? It must be an extraordinarily vibrant environment. Yes, um, that's definitely true. So we believe that China still has a significant growth runway. So if we uh, think about the economic opening in China since the end of the 1970s, um, since then we have seen a lot of uh, private companies being set up and then those companies had their time to grow. Um, and then eventually uh, a lot of the companies that have uh, established their success over the past two decades have now come to the point that uh, they want to get onto the equity market to position for their next leg of growth. And we're seeing an increasing number of companies um, IPO on either the onshore market or the offshore market or both. So the market itself keeps growing and that continues to increase the number of opportunities that become available to us. So um, we definitely think that China still has a, a significant growth runway um, ahead of us. Um, and in terms of how we actually look at China, well, we think that the best way to look at this market is to go down the bottom-up route. So yes. to focus on the opportunities of the companies that have a strong return on capital potential and have reasonable valuation, um, which is a, a point that quite often uh, retail investors tend to forget. And then also companies that are showing improving operating momentum and uh, uh, showing a, a sign of uh, improving shareholder interest. So I think those would the type of companies that we would be focusing on um, using this disciplined type of institutional investment framework. Wen Chang, thanks so much for your insight. That's Wen Chang Ma, Portfolio Manager for 91 in Hong Kong. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.